Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. I'm Ben. I'm Christian. That's Christian. Howdy. We didn't practice this, so I just pointed, and I wasn't sure it if worked. he was going to... I was going to say I picked his name up on it. We've had some experience. Yeah, we're yeah. we're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is overtime where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message, and man, what a message! We've got four <laughs> questions. Uh, well, I should say we have four people sending in questions. Multiple. So questions. we have multiple questions <laughs> as we kind of tackle tackled the topic of hell this yeah, week. So yeah. pretty excited to get into that as we were finishing up uh, Luke 16, but we were also starting a brand new kind of sub-series called yeah. Parables, kind of. We'll, we'll get to all of that in a second. Yeah. So we will explain it. Hopefully we'll do a good job. Uh, a couple things that we do want to let you know about before we jump into that is that this Sunday is a pretty big Sunday. So the youth ministry has got a couple different things going on. The church has got a couple different things. I'm going to turn my sound off so that you don't hear anything. Unless you want to hear it awkward. twice and we can do that for yeah, you Yeah, it'd be like a weird echo in the room. It's so, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, so this Sunday, there's two different things that are happening that we want to let you know know about, as well as some of the normal stuff that happens. So Sunday school will still be happening, all of that. But here's kind of the two announcements that we have. This Sunday, there is something called Turkey Bowl. Turkey Bowl is basically a flag football game that if you are interested in being a part of, yeah. after that first service, probably about 1045, yeah. we'll say is when they're going to start a flag football game. This is open to all ages. So kids, youth, adults, I think it's all ages, right? Yeah, all yeah, ages. Yeah. Yeah. All ages, if you, you want to be a part of that, you can just show up. You don't need any of the equipment. We would encourage you to dress warm because yeah. it'll probably and wear athletic wear. Out. Don't bring metal cleats. Yes, no metal cleats. That. that we don't want to do because that just leads to accidents. And yeah, that would hurt. Liability. So, so that is on Sunday. <laughs> also on this Sunday is and do you want to take this one away? Do you want to talk yeah. about the Friendsgiving? It's uh, it's uh, we're actually calling it our fancy formal Friendsgiving, which is a combination of our two favorite events in the youth ministry: our fancy formal Friday and our Friendsgiving event. So students get to actually bring their favorite food. It could be fast food. It could be a home cooked meal. We're gonna eat it together um, and then just kind of hang out there'll be music dancing there'll be just kind of games around the church that is on Sunday at starting at 5 30 going to about eight o'clock and all students middle school and high school are welcome to yeah. that and you can dress up fancy if you'd like you don't have to yeah. um, but it's gonna be a pretty sweet uh, evening together so yeah, yeah so that's second event specifically for teenagers for middle school high school first event though is open to anybody yeah. if you're interested in doing that if you do have questions I'm gonna go ahead and say just email Christian at clcfamily.church and he'll be able to provide any answers that you need hopefully or he'll just make up stuff I'm pretty good at that we're not really sure yeah. so <laughs> uh, this week like I said we are continuing our Luke series we've been in it for mm -hmm. gosh has it been a year, like and, a year half and a half at this point yeah so over a year, probably around a year and a half, we've mm -hmm. been working through the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 16 of yeah. this week. And if you were part of the last two weeks, basically 16 is similar to 15. And although it's broken up into three weeks for us, chapter 16 is kind of covering topics that Jesus is going through. And in the middle of that, we changed from last week to this week, we changed from our parables series to our parables kind of mm -hmm. series. Now, it's called Parables Kind Of because there's a few teachings specifically after chapter 16 yeah. that are more just additional teachings of Jesus. But chapter 16 is still a parable. That's yeah. why it's kind of called Parables Kind Of. Kind of so yeah. it, it may not make perfect sense, but that's what we chose to do. So yeah. 
there is that explanation. But Christian actually <laughs> shared, I thought you did a fantastic job on Sunday, man. I feel like um, it's a little bit challenging. It can be a little bit awkward yeah. to kind of talk about this broad topic of hell and, yeah. and try and even recorrect some of the thoughts that we have. Yeah. Um, but that's what we're going to kind of jump in today. That is what the majority of questions are kind of asking as far as uh, questions about hell. So we're going to yeah. jump into that. But do you want to give us a recap of yeah. kind of everything? I'll just kind of give you a quick overview of uh, the sermon. Of yeah. course, I encourage you, if you want to go back to listen to it, you can hear me talk yeah. a lot about it. Or if you're like, this is fine, that's totally all right. Um, but uh, yeah, we're in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And so before we could really jump into that, um, one of my favorite authors uh, and, and speakers kind of says that we need to address this idea of hell because everyone comes to the table with their own understanding of what hell is. Um, some of those thoughts might be accurate. Many of them may not be accurate. And so what I spent the first like 20 minutes of the 25 minutes of the sermon doing is answering three questions, which I uh, abbreviated to why the hell, what the hell, and who the hell, um, just to be kind of comical. I still have my job today. So I didn't appreciate are, it at all. Yeah, yeah, he didn't appreciate no, I got a complaint actually in the, in the box afterwards from Ben. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, really the questions were, why does hell exist? What, uh, what is hell like? Uh, and who goes to hell according to scripture? And so spent some time, this is the abbreviated version, the answers to those questions are, in fact, let me just pull them up. Just, I'll just read them as I have them in my notes here. Because again, uh, if we're reading a passage on hell, it makes sense that we have an understanding um, of this doctrine. And that's what I try to accomplish. I have so many pages <laughs> of notes, guys. It's unreal. As he looks for it, yeah, I really would sorry. encourage you, uh, if you did not kind of participate on Sunday, we always want this to be kind of the second part of that. So yeah. that is always kind of the first part of the discussion. And then this is hopefully a deeper dive into that. So I always encourage you, you can go to clcfamily.church media, and you can either watch or listen to that message. And like I said, it was one of the, you know, I don't say this ever, but it was yeah. one of the best messages that I think Appreciate I've heard Christian it. do. I feel like I was challenged and grew in that. So yeah, I think you did that. great. But anyway, I'm that. done stalling. Yeah, uh, thanks for stalling. I found my page. It's page 10 of 18 for those following at home. You guys don't have these. It's okay. Um, so uh, the answer to those three questions, why does hell exist? It's a natural and necessary solution for God to make things right again, right? If there's going to be a heaven, which God promises he's going to make all things right again one day, if there's going to be this perfect place where we can exist in God's presence, um, perfect, free of pain, of sorrow, of death, then the mess has to go somewhere. And so hell is kind of a practical, necessary, natural solution to make heaven possible. We cannot have a heaven, a perfect place, unless that mess is relocated to a different spot, which we understand as hell. Now, what is hell like? Um, I kind of put, it's a, it's a place that is totally separated from God's presence. And scripture provides images to depict this as a place of decay, destruction, and isolation, okay? Uh, and I go into a lot more detail about that in the sermon. And then the last thing, who goes to hell? A lot of times is, uh, as you know, in the people in the world, if you ask an average person, they say bad people go to hell, right? They do terrible things. That's where they end up. But per scripture, uh, according to scripture, you know, everyone's bad. So if that's the case, we're all in deep trouble. Um, but the what we see in scripture is not those who just do bad, but it's those who want absolutely nothing to do with God, right? Yeah. Those who want nothing to do with the kingdom, those who want nothing to do with Jesus. 
And as C.S. Lewis and Tim Mackey say, um, hell is a, hell is a place that almost people choose. Um, it is it is for those who absolutely want nothing to do with God. And so God honors that decision. He's not going to force us or strong arm us. God's honoring that decision of a life and identity apart from Him. That's what Tim Mackey says. Um, he honors that decision, and then we find ourselves in that that area that's separate from God, separate from the source of life. And so. That's kind of the backdrop uh, that we kind of overviewed for what hell is. Now that ties in the scripture because it's this parable. Yeah. And I'll try and be a bit more concise with this. Um, <laughs> this is the last parable and kind of a litany of parables that uh, is towards the Pharisees. And it's basically trying to tell the Pharisees, stop building your kingdoms around your fame, mm-hmm. your wealth, your, 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 your self-status, your pride. Because at the end, that kingdom will not save you, mm-hmm. right? You cannot save yourself. Stop making yourself savior. And Jesus has been preaching about this for a while. He says, what, what does he say? You, the, the kingdom of heaven is here. And he's inviting us to participate in the kingdom of heaven, to receive the kingdom of heaven. And so he says, humble yourselves in order to inherit this kingdom. Um, because again, he's identifying this group of religious people. They are constantly building their own kingdoms, thinking that they can save themselves. And so he's been teaching that for a while, and he comes to his last parable where he says, okay, this is what's to come should you continue doing what I told you not to do. This is what's to come should you continue building your own kingdoms. And I don't think it's Jesus trying to say like, oh, you're 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 going to be damned, right? I think what he's trying to say is this is the natural outcome of the way you're living. If you make yourself savior and you can't save yourself, then you end up, you know, separated from God. And so um, we see this parable that paints an image of what this the, what the future holds for those who build their own kingdoms. And it's this yeah. picture of this rich man who his whole life, he, he built his kingdom around his wealth, himself, uh, and he was like kind of, he, he was his own savior. He didn't acknowledge, he wanted nothing to do with God, didn't want to recognize God or anything like that. Hmm. And then we have this poor man who, by cultural standards in that time, would have been, you know, outcast. Uh, they would have been rejected. People would think they were irreligious. Um, but here we have this poor man who actually embraces the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that's where he ends up. And so Jesus is saying, if you build your kingdom, like whatever kingdom you spend your time building really on earth, there's a kingdom that naturally you will inherit um, when you are to leave this earth, when you are to die. And we see that image. And it's a place of uh, what scripture calls is torment. And I can get into those details later. I invite you to, it's, it's a lot. I was an hour and like 20 minutes. It was a long sermon, y'all. Um, but it's because there's a lot of details it behind been, it. couldn't have been that long. Yeah, no, hour and 15, I think. I don't know. Wow. It, was, it was lengthy. Um, but uh, it's just this place uh, with scripture. And I think we walk away with all these other ideas about what hell is. But what scripture's trying to get at yeah. and what it uses imagery to paint a picture of is it is a place that is just outside of God's presence. Yeah. It is a place detached from the source of life. And so what happens when things are detached from the source of life? Timaki uses a, an adjective. They just constantly deteriorate. They disintegrate almost. Um, and so it's this idea of just forever being detached from the source of life. And so you experience the byproducts of being detached from God. It's torment, it's fear, it's everything that heaven is not, right? And so, so we get that very stark image. And Jesus is trying to, out of grace and love, warn the Pharisees, say, hey, this is in store I don't want you to build your kingdoms. I want you to participate in what God is doing, which is redeeming and restoring everything that is broken. Um, But in the instance that we decide, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to participate. Um, God will honor that decision, and we we will just not be able to participate in the kingdom. So that's kind of an overview of it. It's a really gracious thing for God to constantly 
give us warning uh, and yeah. give us give us a heads up. It's a gracious thing for God to do. I even mentioned this. I think it has more to do. The warning isn't insufficient, but it's what do we will? Like, what do I want to do? And if I refuse to participate in the kingdom of God, and that's not because God hasn't disclosed to me all of these things. It's because I just don't want it enough, or maybe I don't care to participate, or maybe I want to be my own God, my own mm-hmm. Savior. So, yeah, that's like yeah, the, I, uh, I feel like <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it was a weighty topic to be able yeah. to kind of dive into. Um, and most of the people, in fact, most of the questions, everyone says super job. I know that uh, LK, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, he said he agreed that it was a super message. Appreciate uh, it. Mags Thank you. said great job on Sunday. Thanks for joining us as well, Mags. Thank you. If you do have questions, you can type that in the chat. We are We are here live, happy to do that. Um, so I do want to kind of jump into the questions, but I, I feel like you're right. Like 16, we took three weeks to kind of work through all of chapter 16. You yeah. have kind of this parable of of the the unfaithful's mm-hmm. uh, manager, yep. and then you have kind of the response to the Pharisees in that, and then Jesus is kind of giving this parable in response to the Pharisees. So it's what we took three weeks to do is happening in real time with yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Kind of he's coming up with these parables, teaching the disciples in the beginning of sixteen yep. how they should use money as a tool, right? How, how they should use that as something not as the end all be all, but yeah. as a means for what God would want to do yeah. in advancing his kingdom. Pharisees scoff, he corrects them, rebukes them, and then gives them this parable in that. So there's a lot going on there, but before we kind of get into the text, <laughs> most of the questions, as I've already alluded to, um, and, and I did try and send these to, to Christian so that he'd have a little bit of a, uh, uh, a heads up on these. Most of these Christ, uh, questions are of revolving around hell. So there yeah. is a ton of different thoughts different theories, different ideas, different wrong thoughts, different wrong ideas and theories that are floating around. So I would say, I would like to kind of let Christian off the hook a little bit. (laughs) We may not know the answer to all of these questions, right? The questions that you have are great questions. um, And I don't even know if I've specifically worked through all of these, whether they're, you know, answerable or not. But I think that the big picture is, is what Christian already said. The idea of hell is that we are eternally separated from God. And that is the big picture of what we need to understand about hell. So with that, I want to give Christian kind of a pass if he if he doesn't have a question to answer or yeah. the ability to answer or just speculate like yeah. cuz sometimes it's more scripture says this, so the way that we interpret is this or yeah. personally how I would arrive there is this that might not sit the same with you, yeah. right? Like, so I think that it's important for us to understand as we dive into this, that not everybody's going to agree yeah. and it's okay to disagree. For sure. But as long as we understand the big picture of hell is eternal separation from God. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think what I learned when I went to college is there's some things in theology that you have to hold with a yeah. closed hand, right? Like Jesus being the savior, the yes. gospel, the good news, right? Um, those things are are. are so important, central to our doctrine, our beliefs as Christians. But then there's some things that you hold maybe with a bit more of an open hand, right? Um, you know, if you don't have the perfect doctrine of hell or heaven, God's not going to like send you away. Be like, oh, you didn't have like the correct understanding of this. Like you're out, right? That's not, that's not so central. It's important. I'm not trying to dismiss that at all. It's important to work through this, to wrestle through this as Christians. 
but some things we may not get perfect, uh, and that's okay. God's super gracious, um, and uh, yeah, so I want to mention that. I appreciate you mentioning those things, too. I wanted to kind of preface our conversation with a couple <laughs> things, too. We are, I try and always wrestle through, like, what is context? Like, yeah. what is the, both the, the, the ancient historical context of that time, but then also the literary context? Yeah. How does the, the, the scriptures, how do they function? How, what's the artistry and the, um, the tools that the writers are employing? And so we're always asking those questions. I'm always trying to ask those questions with these things. I also I always often have to remind myself what does the passage say and what does it not say? Because sometimes I'll walk away after reading a passage and I'm like, this is what it says. And I go back and I'm like, wait, it actually doesn't say it at all. I just kind of inserted that thought in there. And so I always push back, you know, and ask that question, what does it say? And what does it kind of leave um, a bit more ambiguous? Because scripture sometimes does that. That's not a bad thing. Um, it's okay to not have all the answers. Two more things. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I have experience in biblical studies, but I'm not an expert. So some of these uh, questions or answers are a bit more maybe off the cuff what I've gathered. Um, but, you know, we might have more questions than we do answers. And that is totally okay. That forces us to have faith. So, Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and jump into these questions. Uh, the first is from one of our listeners that really appreciated the message on Sunday. They were with their small group. It led to a great so discussion. Cool. Uh, even watched some of the Bible Project videos. Um, as you referenced, Tim Mackey, yeah. he's kind of the founder, right? Of, of the I Bible think he's Project. one of the founders. Yeah, there might be two of them, but okay. he's, he's one of the primary guys, yeah. Um, so they had a lot of uh, questions that helped their further understanding of what hell is. The discussion uh, led to what happens when you die. Do you actually go to heaven or hell at that time? Or do you go asleep until rapture? Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for chatting about this stuff and working through this in community. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's what God's calling us to is to wrestle with this stuff together. Um, so to answer the question of what happens when we die, um, actually Tim Mackey's video, the, maybe the one that you guys saw, there's two I'll recommend. There's, you know, Rediscovering Hell, I think is the name of one, where, you know, I got some of my thoughts from that sermon that he did, great sermon. He talks on this passage. But then another one is the biblical picture of heaven and earth. Um, and that's when he kind Kind of he, they do an incredible job with providing imagery to help us understand kind of in a visual sense what um, what the theology says, what scriptures are saying. And so even in that video, they talk about, you know, being a Christian is less about what happens when we die, more about what happens here in some ways. And, you know, a lot of times we think, I got to get right with God right now because when I die, I don't want to go to hell. Um, but scripture suggests, hey, it's much more profound and beautiful yeah. than that. Um, and so the way... Yeah, so I'll start by saying this. To answer that question, I'd recommend anyone go check out the Bible Project video on the new heaven and the new earth. It does address this topic in much more detail than I can and in a beautiful visual way. But some initial re responses, what happens when we die, I do think there's, uh, we see in scripture, there is a location for heaven right now. Like I was thinking when Jesus was on the cross, he said to the man next to him, hey, today yeah. you're going to be with me in paradise. Yeah. Not like, not down the road when the final justice, right? When judgment day, yeah. when um, when things are perfectly restored. But he says, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So there has to be a location even right now that we, we go to when we die. Um, in the meantime, right? And this image that we get in that Bible project video is heaven. There's a heaven, there's earth, and they're partly overlapping in that um, Jesus kind of bridges the two mm -hmm. kingdoms and invites us to. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, right, uh, then we can almost bring bits and pieces of heaven here on earth and kind of usher in the culture of heaven. That's what Jesus has been teaching on. And so, um, sorry, I'm trying to make sure I have all my thoughts organized. 
Um, so when we die, do you think there's a location that we do go to in, 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 you know, in terms of heaven? And I'd say even there's maybe a, you know, a place that is for those who want nothing to do with God, right? Where are they supposed to go? And so we see even in the passages of scripture, um, even in this parable, you know, even though it's a story, it's representing a reality that you know, must exist already. And so um, it's pointing this idea of you know, that's where he's going to, that hell, this concept of a place away from the presence of God probably does exist. Like I, if I had to guess there's a location for this just because people do die. And you know, um, the soul does not die. While our bodies die, the soul does, and the soul has to go somewhere. Uh, and so I personally hold that there is a location for those two things, but then at the final judgment, at the end of the kind of call it the end of the world. In, in, in uh, theological terms, they call it the eschaton, the end of the world. Um, then it kind of just finalizes these things where heaven and earth come together. They are perfect and one. Uh, and then the message is for, fixed and it's relocated to a place forever. Hmm. Um, you mentioned, did, did I answer that yeah, whole you question? Answered, you answered that whole question. Okay. So, I would even yeah. add one more thing. I know you mentioned, you know, what happens uh, at the rapture. Uh, this I is, think that was a different question, but we was can go there. Yeah, I think we, you kind of yeah. blended a few. I might have, I might have blended a few questions. <laughs> so like I said, there was like four emails. Yeah. So that means that there was probably, and most of them had multiple questions sure. in them. So, yeah. Um, My bad. So <laughs> we can jump to that one if you would like. Would, I think would, that was in the first one that we answered. Near mm, the very end of it. Nope. But uh, I think you're oh, you're right. I bad, think we're bad. talking here. My bad. Here, yeah. we're just going to go on to the next question. So, Sorry. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily need to be in this order. I'm going to yeah. jump around to where I think you were going because there's a couple different thoughts there. So yeah. um, first, this is one of, uh, one of another email with different questions. It says, is there any indication where the abyss or hell is located? I thought about what you had said as to where um, to put this mess. So yeah. I think that's what you started to answer already. Like yeah. anything more than that. Yeah, I'd say, you know, scripture doesn't give us that detail. It doesn't necessarily give us a geographical location. Just yeah. like in the same, in some similar sense, it doesn't tell us exactly where heaven is. And so a lot of times we fill in the blanks. We're like, well, hell must be down there because yeah. it's hot down there. And then heaven must be in the clouds. Because a lot of times this imagery that we get is kind of mm -hmm. images of, um, uh, again, the imagery pointing to the greater thing, describing the nature of these places. Uh, the imagery that we get is just kind of this this beautiful place for heaven, right? And, and what's more beautiful than an incredible sunrise or sunset, right? These clouds, these images, right? Um, but scripture doesn't answer those questions in, in strict detail, right? Um, so to answer that, I, I don't know. I don't know where the, the physical location of this um, would be. It just doesn't give us all those details. So Yeah, even, even when you talked about uh, hell in... Uh, uh, man, I'm going to completely destroy it. But the where you talked about outside of the yeah. camp, right? Mm -hmm. Even that was just a general. It wasn't like, okay, or no, it was a specific valley, right? But yeah. like, but it was outside of the camp. But where in that valley, it's not like, okay, it's right here. Yeah. It, was, it was more of a general idea of yeah. being cast out. That's that the word hell I talked about in the sermon is kind of almost a metaphor in and of itself. Not a metaphor in that this place doesn't exist, but the word itself describes more of the nature of this place that does exist, hell. Um, which is this Valley of Hinnom, which if you want to learn more about kind of the context of that, it's just a very dark, atrocious place that, you know, trash went. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so. And I think this was maybe the question that you started to answer. Is it a spiritual realm location? I think of scripture when it says that there'll be a new, new earth. So why would evil sin have a place there? Is yeah. that what you were looking? I, I was thinking of it. There's another one about the rapture, but I can get to okay. that in a well, minute. Yes. Yeah. Um, is this spiritual realm? So I think, you know, um, 
I, I don't know if this if this question's more is it like a spiritual versus physical realm, but I do think you know uh, if if God's given us this gift of earth to steward, uh, and this is where our temporary home is kind of the understanding that we get it. The idea is I love this image. We are pilgrims here on the earth. We're just kind of journeying through. We're not staying here forever. Then I anticipate that we see scripture even talks about getting a new body, a resurrected body. And so I can imagine that heaven, if it's going to be good at all, it's got to be a physical location. Um, and uh, I would say perhaps the same is for this, <clears throat> excuse me, for this location of hell. But, you know, again, some of these, um, these are really good questions. And I don't <laughs> think we should ever stop asking questions. Um, but sometimes we have to be very comfortable with not getting as clear an answer as we'd like to. And I think that might be the case here. So. Sorry. <laughs> bless you. Excuse me. Oh, I don't think you. I've done that on they the used podcast to think, They before. used to think back the day if you sneeze, a demon was coming out of you. That's why I and say just, God bless it was you. It's fitting. It's very fitting because we're talking about hell. So, so verse 25, <laughs> continuing with this, uh, this email, it says, verse 25, Abraham calls this rich man son. Or I think in, in the ESV, it might even say child. Yeah. Right? Like my child. So this is something that this listener was pondering. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something I wanted to get into. But if mm. I did, you know, there's a lot I had to cut out in order to keep this to an hour and 20 minutes, y'all. Um, but yeah, actually, it's interesting because this son, and this is hopefully, Jesus, I think, uses to connect to this Jewish audience. But it was understood that this rich man in the parable was a Jew. And so the father of Jews, the kind of the patriarch of Judaism, was Abraham. And so this, this um, calling the rich man son is to kind of identify his Jewishness. Um, but I don't think it's in the same way. I don't think it was in this instance kind of a... Um, in the spiritual sense, because this rich man was kind of spiritually bankrupt. You know, he did not, he did not subscribe to the kingdom of heaven. And so Abraham's not addressing him as a, you know, a child in that sense. But I think it was to highlight, hey, you know, this, this rich man in the parable, y'all, for you Pharisees listening, is a Jew. You yeah. guys are Jews and, and he thinks he's doing it right. Y'all think you're doing it right, but he did not do it right. And so I think it was merely just to identify um, his, his, his Jewishness in that yeah. sense. Uh, great. So one more question from this, and then we're halfway through. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, and this actually connects with another question. So let me read both of those. It yeah. says, um, though this was a parable, I've wondered for years about how the rich man could see and speak to Abraham and, and Lazarus. Any thoughts about this? And then the other question that's similar, it says, um, I noticed that several commentators uh, point out that this is only a parable in which Jesus names a person whom he is about whom he is speaking. Yeah. Um, they take this as evidence. Is that a true story? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Let's see that first one. Then I might have you repeat that sure. second one. But for the first one in regards to... Um, I'm trying to remember what the first one is. So, Sorry. first one is <laughs> thought it was a parable, wondered for years about the rich man could speak. Oh, yeah. And see Abraham and Yeah. Lazarus. So, I mean, parables, like stories, they break the rules of reality in some ways in order to paint a better picture for something else, right? Um, you know, it, it, we do that, we see that with a lot of stories, like movies and stuff, kind of sci fi. Sometimes they paint a. a Sci-fi is a bad example, but sometimes movies and shows break the rules of realities in order to tell a story of bigger, more profound meaning. And so Jesus is almost doing that in this parable where, you know, this idea and even some commentators and, and theologians thought that, you know, in reality, there's not this, you know, I can just kind of banter or have a conversation with someone in heaven or in hell because it's just fixed separate locations is the understanding that I've gathered from what I read 
But for the sake of the parable, to kind of get this point across that Jesus is trying to teach, uh, they can converse, right? They can talk. But that's one thing I also wanted to get to in this sermon, um, that this parable, this story is not intended to suggest that we can have conversations across these kind of realms. Um, but for the sake of trying to, to, to teach this point, uh, Jesus kind of used that in this story. So I hope that provides a little bit yeah, of clarity that, there. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. So it does lend to the question, so is this... A parable, or is yeah. this more of an actual happened? Yeah, so I think I do believe, according to everything that I've read on it, most people believe that this is a parable, right? And again, we wrestle with in in, in biblical studies as we wrestle with scripture. Um, that's kind of what it is. We are wrestling with the text. In some yeah. ways, I feel like we're trying to tame it, and we can't always do that. <laughs> right. um, in fact, I'll say this too: in people writing the Bible, uh, and a lot of people who studied the Bible uh, when it you know when it first came out, when it was published, <laughs> right? Um, they didn't ask all these questions too like they didn't have systematic theology back then and so these are these are kind of modern questions that we're asking in the text which isn't bad right but they're not trying to answer all the questions that we might ask which is okay right because it they were we should be much more concerned about hey I'm gonna I'm gonna trust even when I don't understand this I'm gonna yeah. trust but anyway I say all to say Keep asking the questions, but we just got to be comfortable with that tension of not knowing. But in regards to this parable most of the commentary I read about it did describe it as a parable um in fact, I'll be very candid. Uh, when I read it first, I, was, I originally thought, or before I really studied it for the sermon, I did think like, oh yeah, this is this is an instance that actually happened. Um, but that is, as I study, and that's why we started the parable kind of series last week. And then I was like, oh Ben, like actually it, it is described and is characterized uh, per scholarly insight as a parable. Um, should we start yeah. this series a week later? And we're like, <laughs> nah. Little, it was a little bit of a panic. Like, yeah. even as I was studying the week before, I'm going, oh, it's definitely a parable. Yeah. Like it's definitely, that's where yeah. I landed and I'm going, but, but we, but we said that this is the last week. Should yeah. we, should we delay? And then honestly, what we ended up doing was just moving forward with the direction that we had in. already planned. Yeah. So in regards to this one, that's why I kind of called it a transition of sorts. That was a yeah. transition week because it's the last parable in a series of parables yeah. um, that transitions to the non-parabolic teachings of Jesus. But in this moment, this this story in particular, um, it does follow a lot of the um, the rules and kind of the customs of Jesus' other parables in that he starts the parable um, naming this ambiguous person, all right? There was a rich man. We see uh, even in our other parables, and Mackie points this out in one of his sermons. He says, you know, Jesus uh, says there was a uh, there was a treasure in a field, right? Or there was, you know, there were, uh, there's so many of them. You can check them out. Yeah. Even if you look back in the last few weeks, right? There was an older brother and a younger brother. Yeah. There was this, this person who had a coin and they lost it, right? And so he starts it kind of with this nameless, ambiguous person. But you are right. Um, there is someone who is named in this parable. And we do not find that a lot. Um, some people might think, oh, isn't this Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead? This is actually a separate person um, for various yeah, reasons. Right. You can check that out. But one of them being Lazarus actually was buried, the one that died and Jesus raised from the dead, whereas this one was was not buried and he was poor. You can only really have a burial or a funeral if you had any type of money. And this poor man, Lazarus, did not have any type of money. So that's a, a big distinction between this Lazarus and the, and the one that Jesus raised. Um, but for this one, we always have to ask the question, you know, what is, first, what is going on? But um, what's the significant meaning in this parable? What images, what, what's the language? And I honestly think part of why, and you know, 
I'm not trying to say these were what this is what Jesus' intentions were, but we at the end in the benediction I mentioned, Lazarus actually means God has helped. Hmm. And sometimes just the language used, the names used, or the 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 names left out are intended to stir something up in us, or are intended to help us see a big bigger picture. And so a lot of times God will intentionally leave things out, like not give people a name. But in the moment when he does, maybe God's trying to do something. Maybe Jesus is trying to do something. So to give this poor man the name Lazarus, meaning God has helped, he could hopefully be trying to help his his audience, the Pharisees and us, to remember that we don't have to just work harder in the wake of hearing a sermon like this. We just have to let God transform us from the inside out. God has helped. That's the good news. And it's just receiving that gift that God has helped. And so I suspect... That maybe that's why in this parable uh, that Jesus gave this person a name, which might be fitting if this is the last parable he's giving them in this moment. He's like, okay, I really got to drill the point home. Let's just throw, you know, throw a name in there. So um, that's why I suspect that maybe for the first time, and, and I think this might be the only case that we see Jesus give someone in a parable a name. But a lot of what I read on it suggested, yeah, this is very parabolic and it does line up with a lot of other Jesus' parables. So. Yeah. All right, so we have got one more question, um, and this one is by one of our our listeners that kind of listens all the time, so thank you so much. Um, And let me just say thank you to everyone that sent in questions. These are really good questions. Great. They're a great way to discuss, even for those that are just listening. It's a great thing for them to kind of wrestle through as well. So thanks so much for doing that. So here's the last question, and then we'll figure out how much time we have and what we're doing from there. It says, uh, do you suppose that evil spiritual beings will suffer an everlasting punishment? So there's kind of the question. The scripture verse used kind of to uh, ask that question is Revelations 20.10. It says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into a lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then it's kind of back to the question, but human beings, so will a evil spiritual being suffer eternal punishment but human beings who reject God might simply cease to exist. Yeah. And then okay. Acts seventeen twenty eight says, In him we live and move and have our being. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of really good thoughts and questions. Uh, I'll try and process this in a way that makes some sort of sense here. Um, so uh, I think first off, whenever we read scripture, we have to consider language, uh, the original language, what it translates to in English, how we in 21st century understand that language. In fact, the really cool term that super sophisticated that we use in the, the theological world is hermeneutics. What do I bring to the text? I usually tell my students when I give them a big like theological word, like, hey, when you're at a party, just say like hermeneutics, you're gonna make a lot of friends, right? Um, so when you're at a party, you know, Thanksgiving, sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner, talk about hermeneutics. A lot of people will love that. Um, so, um, but that basically that's the study of what do I as a 21st century Caucasian middle to upper class man, what do I bring to the scriptures? Because the way I read it and what I bring to it, my context will be way different from someone maybe in a different country, like in South America or in Asia. Right. And so. I say all that to say, as we read scripture and wrestle through the language that we're reading, like I kind of did that a little bit with this word torture. We always want to fill in what the word torture or suffering means. Because for me, it's just burning alive or, you know, it's a, we all bring something to the text in that regard. And so we always have to be careful when we read suffering and torture. What's the scripture trying to get at? Not, not what, what do I fill this in with? What blanks am I naturally filling in? Uh, and it's a very natural thing to do. Um, 
And so, uh, all that to say, let me pull up that question again. Sure. Sorry, do you have it there? Yep, it's right here. I just want to preface all of that with that, just because it's important to remember. Um, but yeah, in Revelation 20, it talks about, I actually read this passage when I was studying. Is this idea that the devil, um, uh, it says, The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they, uh, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Excuse me, I didn't study that passage in particular, but I did read over it. Um, but what we want to consider is, um, yeah, what language are we bringing into that? What do we want to fill in for that? There's this image that we get in Revelation that everything's going to be cast out away from the presence of God, including the devil and kind of anyone who's, you can kind of say it in this way, reaped hell on earth, mm -hmm. right? Um, reaped hell, kind of brought about the culture of hell, which is separation from God, which we could even see as death and, and, and destruction and decay and ruin, right? And so we get this image that all of that is going to be separated. And this is very close to the passage where Jesus is talking about, or where, sorry, John's writing about these images of heaven and earth coming together. And so we're also getting a picture of what it looks like for things to be cast out. And it uses this image of this lake of fire to be tormented uh, day and night. Um, and so uh, I hope, let me, I want to make sure I'm answering the actual yeah, questions so that I talk. Suppose <laughs> that evil spiritual being will suffer yeah. eternal punishment but human beings who reject God might simply cease to exist. Yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, punishment, we think of torment. Like sometimes I, I feel like I've experienced torment in the world today with great loss, great pain, right? And so I think sometimes we think torment, we think someone's being like uh, punished or tortured or stuff like that. Um, but what we even talked about a little bit on Sunday is this idea of torment. Like you could be in just great anguish at the reality that you were wrong. At the Just great anguish at the reality that the things you fought so far hard for in your life that you will never be able to experience that and that you were separated from the source of life. And so um, all of these pictures and images are trying to point back to you're separated and with that there's anguish, there's loss. Everything that you won't experience, uh, everything you can't experience in heaven you will experience in this place of decay of destruction, detachment from God. And so you bring up the question like of, in, in the theological world we call nihilism, which is the idea of ceasing to exist. Um, scripture does not, you know, the picture gives us, and I'm, I'm going to kind of point back to Tim Mackey on this one. The word he, he kept saying in one of his teachings was disintegration, right? What happens if something is detached from the mm. source of life? it disintegrates. Does that mean it'll eventually completely disintegrate and it'll cease to exist? The scriptures don't necessarily go in all that detail. We also get images of suffering forever, right? Being detached from forever, right? Um, but it doesn't answer all the specific questions of all that stuff. But this idea that, it, that Tim Mackey kept pointing back to and the one that I kept pointing back to is to deep to be detached from God means you are further um, kind of going into decay or um, to being disintegrated, to becoming, as Mackie calls it, less human. The way that C.S. Lewis actually paints this picture of hell in his book, I think it's The Great Divorce, is this image of hell being a, a gray, dark city um, where, you know, people go, when, when they go to the hell, they're in this city, and forever they are just going further and further from this city further and further from people, further and further into isolation forever. And that's the image that C.S. Lewis kind of describes. Hell this is this place of further detachment forever and ever, further isolation. And with that comes like great pain and great 
agony to be detached from the source of life. And so I don't know, I hope that answers your question. It's a really good question. Yeah. And again, some of these things don't provide all the detail that we want, but I do, um, I just keep coming back to this word, just like being disintegrated. It's like a flower cut off from the stem. It just, it just dies. Uh, and I think that's just kind of this image that we get from in this place of separation. Uh, and and Timaki says it's even being less human. God created us to be fully human, to experience what God has for us. And to be detached from that means to, to disintegrate, become less of that forever. And so it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. Yeah, it's I feel really like, hard. I feel like I'm very interested in, in the person that wrote it. Man, I'm very interested in your thoughts on that. Me like, too. I'm so very curious. Like if I could kind of flip the camera around, I would. Yeah. Because I feel like it's pretty obvious from that first one that there is an eternal punishment that the devil and basically these these um, these created beings that were eternal created beings mm -hmm. that fell, like there's a punishment there. But that second part of that question, do human beings who reject God simply cease to exist? I'm not sure. Yeah, That's a great thought. Like, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I appreciate you quoting, you quoted Acts 17, 28, yeah. which says, in him we live and move and have our being. So what does it mean if you're not in him, especially yeah. in a place that is totally separated from him? Uh, then you cease to live, you cease to move, you cease to have being. And so that's this idea of what's the opposite being connected to the source of life where you're nourished, you're yeah. taken care of. The opposite of that is just kind of the reverse where you're, you're continuing to, um, to not get that sustenance. And so you like disintegration is kind of this yeah. image that keeps coming back to our mind. And we like to fill in the details. Okay. So what does that mean? Like yeah. if I, you know, if I went to hell, like what would that be like? And that's just something that maybe the scriptures aren't as detailed about. But again, a lot of times the authors are trying to paint this bigger picture of just separation yeah. from God. And that's hard to comprehend. That's that's why they use images. So, in big picture, it's bad. It's bad, <laughs> right? And yeah, to be it's yeah, bad. You don't be, you don't want it. Yeah, to be separated because yeah. I think everything we are yearning for in life, and I think even the Pharisees when they're trying to find yeah. comfort and safety in 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 their good works, in their money, in all these things, like I think even some of that comes from a place that we are wired for God, but yeah. we are looking to all the wrong places. Uh, to fulfill what we were wired for. Uh, and so, um, and yeah, and so heaven's this place where we are in communion with the Father, uh, and then hell's just the opposite of that absence of that. And so, yeah, it's not a great place at all. Like, it's, it's terrible to be this idea of being detached from life and each other. Like, it's just, a, it's a terrible picture. And that's why I think, you know, sometimes we see people use metaphor nowadays to say, oh, hell on earth, right? Some people yeah. will describe 9-11 as hell on earth. I, I could say like, yeah, that's, that's hell kind of acting out on earth, even right before our eyes. It's the very, you know, you know, these are, are products not of God, yeah. um, but of brokenness and of selfishness and of just terror. And so, um, yeah, we use that image and metaphor a lot when we say hell on earth. So, yeah. So that is all the questions that we have. I yeah. do want to say, dude, wow. really appreciate. I, there's sure. no such thing as <laughs> as being able to do a like light dive into yeah. the study of hell. So I, I just mm -hmm. really want to say thank you. I think that we all have benefited from that this past week. Yeah. Really thought you did a fantastic job of explaining through that, talking through it in a way that was biblical and helps us understand even the big picture. So, yeah. Was, so great job, my friend. I was going to mention one thing. I think you this is the thing I was noticing. This uh, person, had, uh, the question was, do you actually go to heaven or hell at the time that you go to sleep or until rapture? Okay. I guess I want to have a just small note about rapture because um, I, I kind of answered the question of, you know, do you go to hell or heaven at the time that you, you die or until the rapture? I just want to mention 
one thing, which might be a disorienting to some. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Are you uh, going to drop a bomb right now? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, all that to say, um, I was in a, a class once. One of my favorite professors, just a remarkable person, um, she had taught about this idea of rapture. And she says it's actually popularized as a, as a result um, of the Schofield Study Bible, which came out in the early 1900s. So this concept of this concept of rapture, or at least the term itself, wasn't really big or on the anyone's the forefront of anyone's mind until this Bible came out. Because it was one of the earliest study Bibles that really got really popular, right? It used to be that people would have Bibles and it's just the text. But when Bibles started coming out with comments and expert, you know, thoughts on these passages, that was really popular. Um, so the Schofield Study Bible that came out, I, I, looked, I had to look it up before this, in 1909, and it was revised in 67. Um, that, what it did is it took like one passage from maybe Corinthians, and then some passages in, um, in uh, Revelation, and then came up with this concept of rapture. And so then, you know, people, kind of like what we see happen with the concept of hell, people create art and products based mm-hmm. on this idea, which is like the Left Behind series is a product <laughs> of the work maybe of the Schofield Bible or the theology that came about as a result of this. So I'm not saying that all those images are false or anything, or I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't some moment where we are swept up. But what I want to be careful of is what does the scripture say and what doesn't it say? Because it never says rapture in the Bible, but it does give us these images, right? Uh, these images that depict our being with God, right? Um, so it, does that mean I'm literally going to be swept up one day and my clothes are going to be left behind, right? My, you know, Jess will be like, where's my husband? And that would imply that Jess is left <laughs> wow. behind. Never mind. Uh, you know what I'm getting Ooh, at, right? I'm telling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Um, these, uh, these are, we have to just be careful that we're not reading into the scriptures because rupture, uh, scripture doesn't say anything like a rapture. Um, so we just got to read these these passages and then identify what are they pointing to? Are they employing imagery here? Or are they not? Because right. sometimes you can discern that. Um, but all that to say, I'm not trying to suggest like nothing like that's ever going to happen. I just want it to be understood that we always have to be careful because even this concept of a rapture in the Left Behind series is almost a product of it being popularized in the early 1900s. Um, That could be a little disorienting for some to hear, right? Right. But that's the tension that we wrestle with as we study the Bible because it reveals to us new things. And that's a good journey to be on, right? It's a journey, it's a lifelong journey that we all get to embark on. So let's have encouragement in that. Scripture is still scripture, still the word of God. We can have great hope in that. Um, But let's just wrestle with it a bit more. but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess I don't know what else I'm trying to say there. Um, but just wanted to make a comment regarding that. But regardless of how it is to happen, regardless of what that moment looks like, there is a great promise that God's making a new heaven and a new earth and that we can participate in that. In fact, God wants us to participate in that. That's why he sent a son to the cross to die mm-hmm. so that we would have a means and a way by which to receive that good gift, to be loved by God and in God's presence for eternity. And so um, even if I don't know all the details of it, I can have great hope that that is what is ahead. So um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate Gosh, that. Gosh, man, I'm if you sorry. Do, I will say that if you have any more questions, like, and this is in part why, why Christian was kind of showing up yesterday. If you have questions, I would say you can email him directly. Mm-hmm. You can email us over time at clcfamily.church. Like, we'll, we're happy to try and work through what we can. Yeah. Not looking to kind of get into a debate. That's not really, yeah. we don't want anything to do with I'm not really useless arguments. Those, like, yeah. 
just not really kind of worth our time. But if you have questions, we want to try and answer that the best we can. So you can reach out to Christian. You can reach out to us. Really super thankful for all of your work and yeah, your man. study that went into this. Yeah. I think you had said that this was probably the most like studied for message that you've I've, done. I mean, I've never took as long to prepare for yeah. a message because it's a delicate topic yes. and it, it brings a lot of emotion in people too. Yeah, sure. uh, I actually noticed, I was like, you know, it's great to teach on hell because any other sermons can be super easy to prepare. But I actually realized the next sermon I teach on does in some ways allude to this concept that we have of rapture. And so yeah. I will probably reiterate some of the stuff I just said at my next sermon because it, it provides, it, it gives us this image of like two people will be like working in a field and then yeah. one of them is going to be gone, yeah. right? So I will get into more of this and I actually by then I will have studied this a lot more. So I'm kind of giving you some stuff yeah. I remember from grad school. Um, but, you know, by the next sermon, hopefully it'll be a bit more studied on that for y'all. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate so it. So <laughs> you get to look forward to that. When is that? That's the uh, week, December 5th? Or is that yeah, December 5th, December new 5th. series that we start actually, yeah. um, which we're super excited about. Yeah, so that will be the official start of our Christmas series that we're calling Christmas Checklist. Checklist. So check that out. So the parables kind of goes until that uh, kind of the, uh, it's the weekend after Thanksgiving. So that's the mm -hmm. 28th, if I remember my dates correctly. And yep. then December 5th, we'll start our other new series, which Christian will be, uh, will be doing for that. So yep. yeah, let's see, we've got about... 13, 12 and a half minutes left. So um, I don't know. We we usually try and work through the text, but I think that this was a little bit different and unique because yeah. most of the questions kind of revolved around that study of hell. So I think that that's really good. I don't know if there's any specific questions, if there's anything specific that you wanted to bring out. I feel like we could kind of work through um, some yeah. of the things that I had, but... At the same time, I just want to kind of give that opportunity. Also, I'll just say, if you need a break, yeah. dude, we can end this here. No, I'm good with going. I just don't like nowhere to begin sometimes. Yeah, with, uh, sure. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think... Well, first off, I would always just say, you know, wrestle with this. There's a lot of great content out there. I do recommend C.S. Lewis and Tim Mackey. The Bible Project is just a remarkable video. I'll talk yeah. about that to anybody. It's yeah. a remarkable project that, and it's free. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Like their their theology shapes how they practice their business. And so they're like, if this is scripture and we're trying to get people to understand the narrative of scripture, why not make it free? And so you can go to the Bible Project, check out anything. It's yeah. remarkable. Um, but all this to say, I did preface this, and I was not trying to accomplish this in the sermon of wielding this as a weapon to convince yeah, sure. you to follow Jesus, right? We see that a lot, you know, you've probably seen like turn or burn, right? Or, right. or a lot of these um, people who try and scare people into heaven, but I don't think that's sustainable, and yeah. I don't think that makes someone fall in love with Jesus. Um, but rather, and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that we never talk about this or work through this or have, you know, meaningful conversations around it. We should. It's doctrine, and Scripture wrestles with it. Um, but what we need... To, but I think the gospel and the good news of Jesus and showing people that and how we live, right, which is what Jesus called them to. He said, participate in the kingdom today. Yeah. How? Love your neighbor. You know, feed the poor, care for the widow. And yeah. so in some ways we're invited to bring about pockets of heaven today to show people what heaven is going to be like, like in tangible ways. In fact, I think I was Pastor Mike said it this way. When my, my dad passed away about a year ago to cancer and uh, the week before he passed, Pastor Mike, um, was one of my youth pastors growing up, uh, great guy. I love the guy. Um, he kinda, I was another youth pastor, but he doesn't love me as yeah, much. Yeah, no, I love Ben. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and so um, Pastor Mike gave this image of, you know, yeah. sometimes God, um, sometimes 
Uh, so healing is a characteristic of heaven. Yeah. But some God, sometimes God will throw a bit of heaven earth's way to bring healing to people who are sick. But sometimes he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that was really more to, to speak to my dad's sickness at the time. Yeah. But really, I love this image and this idea of God sometimes throws heaven stuff earth's yeah. way. Yeah. And, and God, that's why we're invited to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And yeah. in the Bible Project video talks about this, that we can bring pockets of heaven to earth today. Yeah. And that's why we shouldn't wait till we die to experience or live in a heaven. Because yeah. God's saying, you could do it right now. You could bring heaven to earth just like we see people bring hell to earth, right? We can bring heaven to earth, show people what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, and 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 just give them a picture that they cannot deny yeah. that something is going on, right? Something's going on in this person that they loved me even though I've you know slandered them, right? Um, and so we can give people pictures of heaven, um, and I think that's one of our best witnesses. Over just trying to beat them over the head with the Bible and say, you know, turn or burn, right? Uh, we need to show them, hey, this is what is in store. Uh, and just kind of help them experience heaven in some ways uh, and experience and know tangibly the good news of Jesus Christ, that God has made a way for us to experience this forever. And so um, just something to think about that, you know, we shouldn't wait till we die to participate. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. You can participate right now. until it becomes like a final, until heaven finally comes to earth and everything is made right again. So. Yeah, and I feel like big picture, Luke is writing to Theophilus mm-hmm. so that he would have certainty of the things that he was taught. And what is common all throughout Luke is that Luke is arguing that the kingdom of God is here mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. that you can participate now. That's what Jesus was preaching. Like, and even even going back the week before, talking about finances, because that's what we did. Like, yeah. Jesus talked more about salvation and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven than he did about finances. Yes, he used finances because it got our our attention, but he talked and taught about the kingdom of heaven. And so I just think at the bottom base of everything, it's going, man, the kingdom of heaven is here and now. It's something that you can participate in right here and now. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. And that should be exciting that, you know, we can almost in some ways experience heaven in small ways yes. right now. I kind of, the way I described it to my students is, um, I got sick with COVID in March and I lost my taste. Um, so I could only taste about, what I described as 10% of what I can usually taste. And so I said like, sometimes here on earth, um, mm-hmm. We can experience heaven like 10, 20, maybe 50%, right? Not in its perfect completion that we will one day experience it, but God enables us to experience heavenly things. Um, And so we should lean into that and help other people experience that too so they can see, experience, and feel the love of Jesus. So, Yeah, I feel like even that question that you posed, like what you were saying reminded me of a question. Like most of us have heard the question, well, why do bad things happen? And it's more when we understand the depravity of man, like just how sinful our nature is. It's really more the question, why do good things happen? And they happen because we have a loving God who allows yeah. good things to happen. Like, yeah. So I, that may be a new thought for you, but I feel like it's been around for a little while. Yeah. That it's going, why do good things happen? Right? Yeah. Like, and theologians kind of talk about it as like we're this already but not yet period. Heaven yeah. is already here in some ways. Heaven literally came to earth in the form of Jesus, right? A part of heaven came to earth in the person of Jesus. And then God gives us his spirit to bring about heaven even more. Um, 
But so we're in this period of already, like the kingdom of heaven is already here. It's at hand, just like Jesus said, but not yet, not yeah. totally, not a hundred percent because we still see hell on earth in some ways. We see people wanting nothing to do with God, wanting nothing to do with the kingdom and wanting nothing to do with the kingdom culture, right? Of joy, of peace, of loving your neighbor. And so we're in this middle ground of we can experience it to a degree, but we can't experience it to, to a degree. And that's why in Revelation, we see this beautiful image of God finalizing it and saying, now we can experience heaven totally. And all the, the mess and muck and mire of the world will be relocated here. So um, really cool picture. You know, we have to overlook, uh, look at the whole of scriptures yeah. to get some of these ideas. It is difficult. But for those of you who've been wrestling with the stuff in community, with yeah. your small groups, um, even, you know, with us, today. Thank you so much. I think that's what uh, that's what the community is here for, to work yeah. through this stuff so that we can love God better and love our neighbor better. So I feel like that's probably a good place to end I unless agree. you had any other thoughts. Um, I, I just got to go home and tell my wife that I don't think she's going to be left behind. Yes, that's before I can text her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't. I'll Thank give you five minutes. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I do want to say if you do have any questions, feel free to email us overtime at clcfamily.church. You can also simply text us. Our number is 610-869-2140. Um, you can just kind of put any question that you have there. So really do hope that you are challenged and encouraged. We will be back next or this coming Sunday as we continue our parables kind of series. Kind of. Now it'll make more sense because it's not, as Christian said, it's non-parabolic yeah. stories that we're going to kind of get into the teachings that Jesus had. So yeah. it'll make a little bit more sense, but then... Yeah, we'll be back. So if you have questions, let us know. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged. And I'll say thanks for uh, for joining us today, everyone. Have a great week. See you all later.